Hello, welcome again our listeners. Thank you for lending us those beautiful ears. My name is Nabraz Mohammed and I will be your host for this podcast. A little background about myself. I manage the business development team for Asia Pacific region with Watfix. I was fortunate enough to be one of the founding members of our APAC operations and proud to see how we have grown over the last couple of years. Throughout my careers I've been working closely with HR and L&D leaders over the last 7-8 years, helping them strategize their learning and development goals in terms of learning technologies, employee experiences, learning experiences, training content creation, etc. Um, anyway, we have a very interesting topic today with our super talented guest. Uh, we are going to discuss about how organizations can modernize their learning and five big hacks to get started. When we thought of this topic, we couldn't think of anyone better than our speaker who, who tries a lot of different strategies to modernize learning experiences. Uh, enough with the build up and let's hear from the man himself. Please welcome Ross Stevenson. Thank you very much. Thank you for that introduction. Hey, I feel like I should have that in a, a future book as my introduction there. So thank you. Yes. Um, so I'm Ross. Um, quick bio about me. So I've been in the HR people L&D industry for about 16 years now. Um, I've been working for a variety of organizations from startups, from big corporates. So bulk of my experience has been in the tech and uh, the retail world. So some names I've worked with including Xerox, British Airways, Tesco PLC. Uh, I'm currently working with a travel tech organization in the UK currently. So leading all things for them on learning and development and everything that sits under that world. So as you can tell, 16 years, I've been around a bit of time doing loads of different bits <laughs> and bobs. So um, yeah, I know quite a bit about the uh, journey there. I'm super excited to be on the podcast today. So uh, thank you for inviting me for the chat. Awesome. Um, for those of who doesn't know Ross, uh, Ross has initially started uh, an interesting startup, right? Uh, SteelDStarts.com. Mm. Ross, can you tell our, our listeners more about it? Uh, what is it about? Reason why you have started it? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So um, look, I think the, the short answer to it is that I, I like to write and I write a lot and people that know me personally know I like to have a, a good chat. Maybe that's partly a British thing as well where I, I don't shut up. Um, but basically what it was, you know, because I've been in the industry for like 16 years, of course, people want to ask you questions. They want to learn from your experience. I always find it quite difficult to give all people so much time because we've only got a kind of finite amount of time. So I started writing on LinkedIn a number of years ago, just sharing stuff. People seem to resonate with it. And because I like to write, I was like, you know what, it'd be really cool if I could just share my thoughts with people on a, a free level. And then one day I was just like, oh, well, people can just steal the thoughts, can't they? I was like, all right, steal these thoughts. Let's do that. Because people talk about no ideas being original and, you know, people using ideas and building upon them. So, um, yeah, I, I just created it. I created a blog. I blog about L&D and, and growth and loads of kind of mindset pieces around that. And I have a weekly newsletter that sits of that. And it's kind of just built from there. So, as I kind of said to loads of people before, I've never had any grand plans for it. I'm not here to take over the world or do any massive marketing or promotion around it. It's literally just something I like to do. People like the thoughts, which is amazing. So, you know, long may it continue, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, uh, Ross was telling me the other day where you just started this so that you can share your ideas and thoughts with a lot of people and then and yeah. just took off a lot of people are reading yeah. it that's, yeah, that's definitely. amazing like, awesome. i didn't expect one person to read it to be fair <laughs> i thought it'd just be me reading it so um yeah it's nice that um that people resonate with that and it makes me feel a bit more sane that like, okay i'm not some mad person coming up with all these really strange ideas um yeah, yeah so it's nice but it's a way of giving back to the community like you were talking about earlier on about working in the space for the last eight years and you know doing loads where you've been building up the apac region as well and i 
projects. I think it's just nice to give back if you can. So it's a way to do that. Awesome. I was even talking about one of my colleagues yesterday uh, about one of the points that you mentioned that we should not be searching for happiness. We should mm. be looking for meaningful life, right? Mm. It was so deep and we were having a lot yeah. of conversations. It's, it's an amazing one. It's an amazing one. Awesome. Uh, so, Roz, yeah, getting back to the, the topic that we have. Mm-hmm. Uh, Roz, you have worn a lot of different hats in mm. modernizing the, the learning experiences at various organizations, right? So, mm. start the conversation. Let's begin by understanding what exactly is the modern learning approach, right? And how, how, how are organizations currently using it? Yeah, really interesting question, right? And I suppose this can get deep in many ways, but I, I won't do that. I'll kind of give the listeners a high level view and they can kind of take some pieces from that. Yeah. So this is going to differ for different audiences and different organizations. But I think, look, we can all, as a shared human collective experience, look at the pandemic and the real acceleration of digital technology. I mean, in the LND space, we've already spoken about, we need to get better of tech. We need to be tech centric. Then we had this kind of you know, global shared event where actually we were all forced to become um, not tech experts, but very tech savvy in the space Mm -hmm. of a few days. And that really hit L&D teams. So I think for a modern organization now on a modern strategy, a lot of people will say it needs to be digital. Digital needs to be at that core. And, you know, I find it hard to disagree with that for sure. I think there is a great place for technology. And if you can use technology in the right way with the right intention and that's something we'll definitely talk about um, as we go on today's conversation then I think that is the real key to success and I think another element to this is not just tech but how do we blend the human element of that because we kind of lost some of that during the pandemic where you know we're all locked away for an amount of time we come out we go back in there's various lockdowns and we've become very familiar more so than ever with a lot of digital technologies and especially the L&D space. And that's in your personal life and your professional life. Because in our personal lives, you know, a lot of us are using social media, there's TikTok, there's um, Instagram, there's Twitter. You know, we're used to that quick, fast, reactive, let's pick up some chunks of knowledge and learn. And if you look at the L&D industry, they've really had to adapt and like, all right, how do we do the same thing as these technologies, which people are using in their own time? So a modern approach for me is really looking to, have the right intention of technology, but also focus on the human. And when I say focus on the human, it's looking at how do you still have those relevant human experiences in the form of coaching, in the form of mentoring, and still doing those things we do as humans, because technology is not a silver bullet. It's not going to replace everything we do in terms of having that connection and sharing experiences and really looking at doing what we've always done for millennia, which is sharing stories, which is what we do in all different ways. So I think the modern approach for me is having that digital as a core, 100%, but then making sure you've got that layer on the outside that's still realizing the human. Because what you don't want to do is to make your people a product. And then basically you are just using them as a product as opposed to having those authentic conversations. And look, there's there's a number of organizations that are approaching this um, in loads of different ways. Some have done well, some are not doing so well and learning from that. So yeah, I've been really interested to see, especially it's not post-pandemic, really, but during the pandemic, how this has continued to evolve. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and that's something which I was worried also myself uh, mm. in terms of if we take out that human element from anything, for example, uh, yeah. even the business that I'm in, right? Reaching out to people, selling our product mm. and things like that. Mm. If we take out that element in 10 years, our job is going to be replaced by AIs. 
we have mm. to ensure that that human element is still there that's what makes us all different right yes this is a very yes. interesting idea i mean when we are also implementing a lot of technology bringing a lot of digital initiatives into the learning and development space at this also, yeah. at the same time we should also ensure that this is the right balance of human element also added mm. to it uh, mm. can you can you give us any some some very strange or very interesting example of in some of these companies using it how how are they ensuring that while there is a, a good learning experience with mm. the the human uh, experience with yeah i think some examples of that would be i see this a lot on big tech organizations so when you talk about your kind of amazons your your meta nowadays your googles and such and that where they really appreciate that you know obviously being tech companies digital has its capacity and what they can do is provide people with resources to help with in the moment problems but when we're looking at let's call it more long term skill building or behavioral building some intentional learning they definitely see the value of you could start somewhat on a digital journey so we take an example and saying you want to coach someone or mentor someone to become better at a certain skill they can like all of us do they can listen to a podcast they can read a resource but that gives them some theory and it might give them a little bit of application but what encourage them to do what those organizations encourage people to do is then take what they've learned in those resources and then seek out people from human experience that can coach them or i've seen other companies from a leadership perspective that will say okay what we're going to do we're going to give you a bunch of contacts on um or content even on coaching you know what it means what it does but then what we're going to do we're going to give you a real world human experience where we're going to come together for an hour and we're not going to call it a classroom session or a workshop we're going to have a conversation and we're going to talk about that topic and then what we're going to do is actually give some real world context to say what did you take from those resources have you applied anything and then share those learnings and it's funny right because it's kind of coming back to that social learning concept again which has been it was quite big like eight nine years ago where it was kind of heralded as the next big learning innovation was social learning, which we've all done anyway, because social media was so popular at that point, we threw social onto learning and brought that together. But a lot of those big tech companies, they definitely appreciate by looking at, yes, we can take our people to a certain level in the digital space with course catalogs and on-demand content. But actually, when it comes to how do I apply this in my role at my company, that's where you need the human. But they appreciate that. And they say, right, as part of that experience, we're going to connect you with other humans who are doing that role to say, you know, if I'm at a Google, a Meta or an Amazon, this is what it means for us at our organization. Because you get a very broad view, but it's like, how do you make it work for you? Because a lot of these topics that we talk about, you know, we say like human skills, an example, they're very broad and you'll use them in different contexts depending upon your environment. So I think there's some um, there's some good case studies in those arenas for sure. But I'm not surprised, you know, those organizations have probably got unlimited budgets. They've got resource everywhere. They're kind of pushing <laughs> stuff through. But um, you can definitely look to them to get that inspiration. Look at, you know, what what could we do differently? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that's that's great. And uh, like you said, they have infinite budget that they can mm. go after. And yeah. uh, I think for the other companies, the rest of the world, uh, I think it's very important. I mean, I, I think I, w- I was going through uh, a report, I think it was McKinsey, which mm. says that L&D functions today are overly stable right, to a level mm. of rigidity. And while having mm. a stable backbone is, is very important, today dynamism is needed for the function yes. to keep pace with an organization's mm. learning need. Right? Mm. So 
how how do you think we we strike that balance maybe that that's a more relevant question uh, yeah and, yeah. yeah i mean it's a good question it's a good question and um it's interesting right because i i've been working in tech for a while so when i hear stability i think stale sometimes because you can be too stuck in one way and i think look being in this industry for a long time now and looking at i've seen some teams and some organizations that have never changed they've kept being the same L&D function where they're more like order takers. So I always describe it like a McDonald's drive-through. They just keep doing the same thing over and over again. An organization will come in and say, you know, give me my usual hamburger and fries. And that's what they get kind of every six months. And that's all they do. They kind of just order takers. They have a set menu. There's your menu. This is what you get. And this is what we can give you. And that's very stable. Now that works sometimes, right? If we talk about compliance training as an example, that works for people because it's in protocols for different things that are outside the organization. So some stability is good, especially for the brand in an organization. But when you, your point about dynamism, for example, now I think a lot about agility, and I do this a lot in my in my own work for the last, definitely the last kind of eight years where it's like, how do we move at pace? So I'll give you an example of that. So classically, I've sat in L&D teams where we work on projects and what will happen is you'll start creating a project that's not going to be released for a year. And then that's to solve a user's problem today. So if you think about that, we're working on stuff today to solve user's problems today, but it's not going to release for a year. So that user has a whole 12 months of, no support whatsoever. And by the time something is released, it's too late. That person's probably grown, found the answer or moved on. And that problem may or may not be there anymore. But when I think about that dynamism, it is that ability to, how do you move fast? How would you say, right, I'm going to work in an agile mindset and I'm going to get a request. And in two weeks, I can fulfill that. And that might scare some people who are in L&D right now thinking, my God, this guy's crazy. He's talking about doing something in two weeks. But in the world today, we really have a great capability of the tools that are out there to create and curate content quickly and put it together and put it together in a meaningful way that can reach a user. Just like you would have today, we were sitting here saying, I want to learn how to bake a cake. You're not going to wait six months to go on a cake course. You're going to go on Google and you're going to say, how do I bake a cake? And someone's going to run a resource that says, this is how to do this. Oh, and here's a YouTube video on how to do this as well. Oh, and join my cake support group so you can talk to other people about cake making. And that's instantaneous. And that's what we need to replicate. So that dynamism for me is really saying, yeah, you can have that stability. That's the kind of core infrastructure of your team. But you need to be able to move fast because that's how your organization moves. It moves that fast in terms of you know, people coming in, people coming out, new objectives that are happening. And the N&D department needs to have that agility to be able to say, right, how can I help solve these problems as quickly as possible and iterate and I think for me, the big piece is you don't need to push out a perfect product from day one. What you need to do is think more around an MVP, so a minimal viable product mindset and say, how can I get something out today that's going to help people, but I can continue to iterate You know, week after week, month after month. It's not being in your little shop, cooking your cake for 12 months and then releasing it and then no one's using it. It's actually, how do I do that in the moment stuff? And look, this... Depends where you are, right? You need to have the breadth in your organization and the trust in your organization to allow you to do this. So some people be like, oh, this sounds great, but I can't replicate that where I am. And I understand that, right? But what you can do, and what I learned from another fellow LND professional was a bit of a Trojan horse analogy where you can keep doing those stable things that you look at in LD, but you can try and put little experiments or little things in there 
that push you over to more of that dynamism. And it's more like, actually, how can I do that? How can I be a bit more, I suppose, risk-taking, a bit more experimental and try these things to showcase their value? So look, I think I agree definitely with what we were saying there and, and definitely with that article in terms of there needs to be striking that balance. But striking that balance is going to be different for you depending upon your work culture. I'm always saying to people, you know, really test and learn. I mean, test and learn is the biggest thing I can say to people is if, you, if you're thinking about an idea and you're not sure it's going to land, just test it in a small segment of your organization within your team, with another small team, get some data and then be data led to bring that back and say, you know, this is what we found. And you would then find you can start to bring those levels of stability and actually being more agile together. And then you can find that blend, but it's a process, right? You're not going to listen to this podcast or read this article and go off and complete it in a week. This is kind of a multi-year thing where you look to build that balance, but in today's world, you know, a hundred percent, you need to have that, um, dynamism in terms of moving fast and in terms of being able to build being able to bring in fresh ideas because that's how a lot of businesses move now it's very fast pace absolutely i mean a lot of interesting points that you mentioned now um mm. that test and learn test and learn it's, it's very mm. but that's one of our core values also um scale i mean fail fast scale fast and and yeah how, it's about how how fastly are you trying to adapt mm. right uh because change is the only only thing constant now and with that, like you mentioned, there are a lot of new technologies which are coming into the picture mm-hmm. also for the organization to mm-hmm. empower them on at various different levels. And there are a lot of these upskilling and reskilling which is required uh, mm. for your employees, right? So mm. do, you, do you think there is there can be a streamlined uh, a framework which can mm. support the organization uh, to to go through this change? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I love to have a, a silver bullet, but I don't. And again, this is going to depend. <laughs> this is going to depend on your environment. But I mean, the advice I can give is, I think it's something that's very crucial for all NND teams in general is around just being data led in your organisation and really understanding. So when we talk about upskilling or reskilling the frameworks themselves, the basic thing is: can you go into your organisation now and can you find the five to ten? shared skills that everyone needs to succeed in that organization right and you'll find a lot of them are probably going to be more human skills so adaptability resilience you look at the technical side with digital skills or going back to the human side of emotional intelligence there's probably some really core skills that everyone needs and if you do a simple framework it's literally going out to the organization getting the data that says what are the skills that people feel like they're lacking today and then looking at what you feel your organization needs from a capability perspective. And most LD teams will have some of that data already to say, you know, these are the core skills that everyone needs in any role to be capable. And I think those are the things that you can focus on. And you can build, like I say, a very simple framework out of that to say for your strategy, right, we've done our research. This is the data we've got. We know that we have these skill gaps in our organization. And these are the five things that we're really going to focus on in the next 12 months with reskilling people or upskilling people to make sure they are capable to perform in their role. And like I said, I think most people will find they're not actually technical skills. So it's going to be some in there, especially around the digital realm of a lot of the technologies that we use now more than ever. But a lot of it is human skills, because like I say, going back to the pandemic and that loss of human connection, there's loads of pieces around there now and kind of going back to our early appointment McKinsey article where even individuals being really adaptable you know, building their resilience because businesses are changing so quickly now with a lot of the tech and a lot of the ways of working that we've got. 
and the emotional intelligence side. So a lot of my peers I speak to across the industry, it's a very similar notion. It's not like a magic bullet of a framework that they have. And what they do understand is that there is a set of core skills in every business that everyone will need to succeed in their career, whether they continue with that business or not. It's these core things that organizations, if they can get those things right and help people either upskill or reskill in those areas, you know, they're going to great, get great engagement from people. They're going to get great productivity, great ROI as well in terms of their organization because people will feel like they have the skills now to navigate the world that we're currently in, which of course is vastly different before we had the kind of pandemic and the acceleration of digital technology and the acceleration of remote working. So I think, um, yeah, I, like I say, I don't think there's ever a silver bullet or one framework that rules them all in Lord of the Rings style for anything. But I think if you can just really focus on data, data is your best friend in terms of telling you the truth. Now, I spent 16 years doing this. I've sat in many meetings where I hear a lot of opinions. I hear a lot of people saying, I think this or I believe that. And there's no data there. You know, and wrong decisions have been made because of that. And I hear that from a lot of my peers as well. So if you can get the data and really understand how can we impact people, how can we give them value in these reskilling and upskilling opportunities, then um, that, that is the best way forward, I feel. Got it. I think the first thing is to identify what are those areas that we have to uh, upskill and reskill people and then come up with a strategy or framework towards it yeah definitely then come up with it and say that your framework could i keep it simple i always preach simplicity right because we all see a lot of different learning tech and learning solutions out there and it can get complicated sometimes so realistically is you know keeping it simple as you say focus on those core skills and then look at that plan of action to say you know what can we put together here in terms of a program of work or work stream that's going to allow us to actually hit these skills in a valuable way for people. And, um, you know, I, I would do that. I wouldn't suggest doing any massive matrixes or buying loads of technology to do that because I just think you'll spend more time doing that than you actually will on the thing that you need to do. Awesome, awesome. Ross, now the million-dollar question. Mm. How can someone get started today to, to, to modernize learning, right? I mean, what would be, what would be your suggestion um, in terms of five quick hacks to get started? Yeah, I mean... Yeah, great question. Five quick hacks. So look, I think the double-edged chest, I think part of this is for any L&D team in general or a new person joining an organization looking to revolutionize this kind of thing or looking to bring in a new perspective. The first thing you've kind of probably heard me talk about this already is, you know, is talk to people that are there. Um, I think a lot of people, they do this thing, especially in L&D and HR, where it's very siloed, where they'll kind of come in, they will do their own behind closed door thinking and not really go talk with people who are their end users, which, as you know, is, you know, in a products organization, it's not great. You need to understand what those end users want and how you can help them. So it's definitely talk to your people today to understand, you know, what do they like today? What do they do in their own time? And what do they think is going to be useful for them? Now, I'm not saying you need to take all that data and do exactly what they want, because there's the old adage that kind of Steve Jobs from Apple used to say is people <laughs> don't know what they need to know. So there's probably going to be a bunch of stuff and they're like, well, they don't need to know that for my workplace, which is completely fine. But you definitely need to bring people on that journey of co-creation because you don't understand what problems your end user actually has. It's like, what are you creating? You're just creating stuff that you think you should be doing because you read it on a, an article or read it in a textbook somewhere as opposed to actually asking people what are those problems. So definitely talking to people. I think this, the second hack would be lead of curiosity and experiments, this whole test and learn phase. I mean, as soon as you can kind of get in and this modern way of thinking of 
let's test and learn everyone. Let's really think about not just being, we're definitely going to build this product. We're definitely going to launch it. And this is going to be it. And we're going to focus years on this. Really have this test and learn approach on how can we experiment with stuff? How can we look at what's come before? And how can we build upon that for the world that we sit in today? I'd also suggest look to inspiration outside of L&D. So look at product teams, look at tech teams, look at marketing teams, look at the things that they're doing and see if you can bring that in there as well. I think the, the third one I say is, you know, don't fear tech. Um, I think a lot of people in the industry, and we spoke about AI earlier on, uh, they, they do fear tech. They think either um, it's going to be the savior sometimes, which is not in most of my understanding unless you're using it in the right way, or they think it's going to replace their L&D team and replace them as professionals, which is also not true to a very large extent. Now, it can be incredibly valuable if you use it with the right intent. And intent for me is really understanding, looking at your technology portfolio in your organization today, what can you make use of right now? Because like most organizations, you know, whether you're a startup, a scale-up, or a big, large corporate, you've probably got a bunch of tech that is not being used to its full potential. So really look at that and understand that. And if you do need to go get some tech, really understand what you need to bring inside your ecosystem for it to actually be value-add and to be kind of what we call best of breed to work with your organization. Um, and then I'd say, look, I've said this already, but don't forget the human side. So with all this kind of tech, with all the big explosion of learning technology, it is easier than ever to forget about the human side and basically just say, we're going to build a lot of tech ecosystems. We're never going to see you in person. We're never going to have conversations. You're not going to see the humans behind this. And it's very much a transactional relationship of, us engaging with products and becoming a product instead of actually saying, how do we do what we've always done and share stories in different formats? So you want to focus on you know, creating experiences from the early days to actually you know, focus on that and really focus on how do I blend them? So when we spoke about earlier on about the stability and dynamism, it's really that. It's really understanding how can you do that today and then overarching, that's my fifth form, it's kind of cheating because overarching on that is, you know, just, just do your research. Look at what's happening in the industry. So we've had a discussion about things we've seen in the industry. You know, look what's working elsewhere. You don't need to reinvent the wheel. Don't do that. Don't cause yourself all that stress. If someone's doing it really well and you think, oh, that could work here, do it. You know, take it with pride and build upon it and make it work for your organization. And those are like five quick things you can do literally from today. You can go off and do those things and you can have massive impact very quickly over the next few weeks. Yeah, when you, you, your last point is stealthesethoughts.com, your website. When we <clears throat> learn from people, what, whatever they have done, whatever they have tried, uh, hmm. talk to a lot of people and understand what, what has worked for them. Like you mentioned, from other departments also, not just from learning and development or yeah. from whatever new, new things that we can learn. And I think a lot of these issues are, are because a different function for the smaller hmm smallest of these units, right? And everything works in silos. Mm. The, the Chiari that each of us has is very different. Yes. Sometimes it's never interconnected. So that's where the, 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 that, that uh, drop is also, I think. And mm -hmm. anyway, I mean, very, very interesting points that, that you mentioned. Awesome. <laughs> now, brilliant. I think, I think uh, now that we can probably like move to the, the last segment of our yeah. podcast, which is which is our fan favorite, the the rapid fire <laughs> round. Uh, I'm I'm gonna give I'm gonna ask you a few questions, and you can probably answer it to me in mm -hmm. probably like a word or sentences, whatever comes into your mind. Yeah, shall we get started, yeah. Ross? 
Let's go for it. I'm nervous. <laughs> <laughs> Super. I mean, the first question, must, must follow blogs or books that you would suggest for our listeners? Yeah, uh, must follow blogs. Definitely um, one called Wait But Why. Um, covers many topics, uh, really, really popular. I mean, just read some of the great stuff in there about life, living, work, all this kind of great stuff. Um, I would definitely look at that. In terms of books, I mean, these aren't L&D specific, but I think these are just ones in general. There's one um, from a psychologist called Dr. Steve Peters called The Chimp Paradox, which is all about how our minds work, how we interpret the world, how we connect with each other as well. Um, you know, I think that's in, in incredibly beneficial there's also another one that leaves my mind right now. I can't remember the title, but it's something about like kind of how emotions matter in the workplace as well and how you could do your best work for emotions too. But I can send that to you afterwards if, if people want to pick that up once I remember what it's called. Um, yeah, I, I think that's it. To feel. I must admit, I don't, very shamelessly, um, don't follow many L&D blogs. I kind of have news and stuff that reaches me more on LinkedIn than anything else um, for that. So actually a lot of my blogs and books are inspirations outside of the LND world that then inspire me in the LND world. Um, so yeah, bit of a turn over there. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, second one would be any organization's LND strategy that you believe is the best. I think it's a tough question. No, no, I, think, no, I haven't seen it. And uh, there's probably people that argue with me on it, but um, no, I, I don't, I don't believe there is one. Yeah. It's all unique to each of us. Yeah, and I think it's also about what what do they need, what are their priorities, mm. and and what stage of the journey they are in, right? It's, it's been, definitely, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Awesome. Um, if you have given a chance to go back ten years, Ross, uh, what yeah. would you like to change? Yeah, this is a great question. I get asked this a lot, and I usually say nothing because I don't feel like I'd be where I am or who I am today if I don't. I mean, one thing I would say in more comical format is probably less crappy hairstyles. And definitely stop doing <laughs> things like that. Um, but in, ter in terms of the career side, uh, the, the only thing I'd say to myself is just chill out more. Just chill out more. And, and maybe that comes of age, right? Because I'm like deeper into my mid-30s now. So there's a very different mindset than I was probably, um, you know, when I was 25 all those years ago and stuff and that. So, yeah, apart from the bad hairstyles and uh, worrying less, I think that would be it. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> uh, now, the final question that I have uh, Spell any five things that starts with the initial of your name. Yeah. Is it my first name or my second name? Uh, let's take it your first name. Okay. So first name, I will go for Rapid, Rabbit, Road, Radioactive, Ooh. Ooh. Rectangle. <laughs> <laughs> that was terrible. Awesome. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> It's amazing. Great. Uh, so, so Ross, uh, we have come to the end of yet another episode of our digital adoption show. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Ross. Uh, this, this has been amazing hosting you. Uh, before we close, Ross, uh, mm -hmm. it would be awesome if you could share how the people listening to this podcast can reach out to you if they have any more yeah. questions for you. Yeah, definitely. So look, the best place where I hang out is um, is LinkedIn. So you can get me on LinkedIn for sure. And obviously, as you quite kindly mentioned, so stillthesethoughts.com, you can reach me through there as well. So those two avenues, you've got questions, hit me up on there. Awesome, awesome, Ross. Uh, so it's, it's been a pleasure having you here, Ross. And uh, thanks to everyone listening to this podcast and stay tuned to the Digital Adoption Show for more great content and some really incredible speakers. Have a great one. Take care.